0: We're ready! We're done. Welcome to the Hot Route, a sports podcast serving up quick reads and hot takes with a particular focus on the NFL. I'm your host, John Peterson. Welcome to the Week 13 edition of the Hot Route. The Jets and the Steelers finally have something else in common besides being ex-teams of Le'Veon Bell. Week 13 losses. Aaron Rodgers and Justin Jefferson are now in historic territory. Will the Pats and Browns keep rolling? We'll cover all that and more in the 10 things you need to know from week 13. The first number to know is zero wins for the New York Jets still as Adam Gase's team found yet another way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. The Jets led 28 to 24 with the Raiders at the Jets 46-yard line and just 13 seconds left. In this situation, literally any other team would have sat back and played coverage. Instead, Jets defensive coordinator Greg Williams called a cover zero blitz that left Jets rookie cornerback Lamar Jackson, no relation to the quarterback, one-on-one with speedy Raiders receiver Henry Ruggs, the same player who ran a 4-2-7-40 at this year's combine. Predictably, Ruggs shot past Jackson, the Jets blitz failed to get home on Raiders quarterback Derek Carr, and Carr dropped a dime to Ruggs for the game-winning touchdown. All in all, this was probably good for the Jets from a big-picture perspective, since they stay in the driver's seat for the number one overall pick, but it was still a stunning display of incompetence, and on Monday, Williams was fired. Now, in case you were wondering, this is indeed the same Greg Williams of Bountygate, and frankly, I hope the rest of the NFL takes note and is ready to be done with this guy finally. From a character standpoint, he should have been done a long time ago, and now it appears that from a scheme standpoint, he's toast as well. The next number to know is one loss... For the Pittsburgh Steelers, as the last undefeated team in the NFL, fell 23-17 to the Washington football team. After dominating for much of the game, the Steelers fell apart in the fourth quarter, giving up 13 unanswered points to a Washington team that was without exciting rookie running back Antonio Gibson. Big Ben had two straight incompletions and an interception that doomed the Steelers. On third and one at Washington's 28-yard line, the Steelers' inexplic- inexplicably passed twice, both incompletions, to turn the ball over on downs, rather than trying to either run for a first down or kick a field goal to take the lead. Then, after a Washington field goal to take the lead 20-17, Roethlisberger promptly threw an interception on his first pass of the next drive, leading to another Washington field goal and using up most of the remaining time. Predictably, this has fueled the skeptics of the Steelers' record who point out the comparatively easy schedule the Steelers have had and their tendency to play to the level of their opponent. And the truth is, there's some validity to that. But anyone that writes off this team in the playoffs may still be in for a rude awakening. Now the next number to note is four consecutive playoff berths for the New Orleans Saints following a 21-16 victory over the Atlanta Falcons that clinched a playoff berth for this year after leaving them at 10-2. And that points to the greatness of head coach Sean Payton as much as anything. Remember, last year this team started Teddy Bridgewater for five games. This year, the Saints played most of the first half of the season without star wide receiver Michael Thomas, and they've been without quarterback Drew Brees for the last three games and counting. But once again, the Saints are not only playoff bound, but they're at 10-2, and the best record in the NFC. How many teams could not only survive, but thrive in the absence of their best wide receiver and then their star quarterback? All of this really is a testament to the greatness of Sean Payton's coaching and his ability to develop talent that can fill in and replace even great players. Now the next number to note is five straight games without an interception for Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield, who hasn't thrown one since the play on which Odell Beckham Jr. was hurt. In the five and three quarters games that he's played since then, Mayfield has thrown 11 touchdown passes, including 4 on Sunday, and a 41-35 win over the Titans that was nowhere near as close as the score looked. The Browns have quietly won 4 in a row and showed that they can finally beat good teams on the road. The win also brings the Browns that much closer to the tantalizing possibility of ending their 18-year playoff drought, which is the longest in the NFL. But perhaps more importantly, it's once again starting to look like Baker Mayfield can be a franchise quarterback. So what's behind his improvement? Are the Browns better without OBJ? The answer to that is, of course, difficult to say. Odell Beckham is an immensely talented player, but he's also something of a black hole as a personality and player, demanding the ball both literally and figuratively, and with young quarterbacks, that can lead to them predetermining throws, forcing throws, or missing other open players because they're staring down OBJ and trying to force the ball to him. Now, technically, none of those things are directly OBJ's fault but they can still be a consequence of pairing him with a young quarterback who's still growing and learning to play the game. So don't be surprised if the Browns try to move on from OBJ in the offseason, given that he doesn't seem to have really had that much of a positive impact in their offense, and they're currently thriving without him. Now the fourth number to know would be five sacks for the Giants defense on Sunday in a shocking 17-12 upset win over the Seahawks. The Seahawks also managed to hit Russell Wilson 10 times and picked him off once while Wayne Goldman ran for 135 yards for the Giants. The Giants are now quietly 5-2 in their last seven games, and their two losses in that stretch have been by a combined three points. The Giants are probably the best team in the NFC East right now, but the problem is their schedule is going to be pretty tough to close up the season. They face the Cardinals, Browns, and Ravens before closing the season against Dallas in a game that may well decide the division. Now the Giants are not a good team per se, but with a defense that can keep them in any game, I guarantee no one will be looking forward to playing them on the road in the winter on wildcard weekend should they emerge as the NFC East winner. Now the next number to know would be 45 points on just 220, or just 291 yards of total offense for the New England Patriots in a dominant 45-0 shutdown of the Chargers and Chargers rookie quarterback Justin Herbert. In many ways it was an ugly game for the Patriots as Cam Newton and Jared Stidham combined for just 130 yards passing While the Pats run game averaged just 3.8 yards per carry, but the Patriots scored two special teams touchdowns on a punt return and a blocked field goal return and picked off Herbert twice while generating 11 quarterback hits is Bill Belichick proved once again that his coaching genius can maximize even the most threadbare of rosters. The Pats are once again in the playoff hunt, And don't look now, but all of a sudden, it's not so clear that Brady should get the lion's share of the credit for all of the success that Brady and Belichick had together in New England, as Brady increasingly struggles in Tampa Bay, while Belichick seems to have righted the ship in New England. Now the next number to know would be an 80% completion percentage for Bills quarterback Josh Allen who became the first Bills quarterback to throw four or more touchdown passes while completing 80% of his passes in a game, as the Bills beat the 49ers 34-24. What makes it all the more impressive is that just a year ago, Allen wasn't even completing 60% of his passes on average. Now, he has the fourth highest completion percentage in the NFL at 69.9%, while still averaging 8 yards per attempt. Allen is hands down the most improved player in the NFL this year, And while he's cooled down a little from his MVP level of play over the first few games of the year, he's clearly shown that he's an upper echelon guy in just his third year in the league. He's easily on pace to clear 4,000 yards passing and 30 touchdowns. And what's really impressive is that he may not have yet reached his full potential as a quarterback. Allen won't turn 25 for several months yet, and he had relatively little high-level football exposure after playing his college ball at the University of Wyoming. But if Allen can merely sustain his current level of play, the Bills will have found themselves a top 10 NFL quarterback and their best quarterback since Jim Kelly. The next number to note is 232 yards of total offense for the Cardinals and a 38-28 loss to the Rams. This leaves the Rams in first place in the NFC West after the Seahawks lost to the Giants and leaves the Cardinals currently on the outside looking in at the playoffs with four weeks to go. Kyler Murray simply isn't the same player since suffering a shoulder injury that's curtailed much of his rushing, and he simply isn't a good enough pocket passer to beat good teams without his legs, as he went 21 of 39 for just 173 yards passing. The real question is what to make of the Rams. There's something of an enigma. They've beaten some very good teams, like Seattle and Tampa Bay, but they seem utterly flummoxed any time they face the 49ers, and Jared Goff is wildly inconsistent week to week. But games like this have the Rams looking like the team that made it to the Super Bowl, so perhaps there's another playoff run in the future for them as well. Now the next number is 400 passing touchdowns for Aaron Rodgers in his career, making him the fastest to reach that mark as he did it in just 193 career games, which is 12 games faster than Drew Brees, who'd previously been the fastest to 400. He also went over 35 touchdowns on the season, with his three touchdown passes on Sunday in a 30-16 win over the Eagles. That now gives him five seasons with 35 or more touchdown passes, the most in NFL history. And with Patrick Mahomes having a fairly quiet game on Sunday, with just one touchdown pass and a win over the Broncos, Rodgers may have claimed a slight lead in the MVP race. And the last number to note as we talk about historic paces is 1,039 yards receiving for Vikings rookie wide receiver Justin Jefferson on the season, which makes him just one of five rookie players in history to record 1,000 receiving yards in his first 12 games. What makes this even more impressive is that Jefferson was minimally involved in the Vikings first two games, and he's had to adjust to playing on the outside in the NFL after spending his entire collegiate career working from the slot. At just 21, the ceiling is extremely high for Jefferson. Early on in the season, it appeared that the Vikings' trade of mercurial wide receiver Stefan Diggs to the Bills was a win for both teams, as Diggs became the number one receiver for the Bills, and Josh Allen thrived in his pairing with Diggs, while the Vikings gained the first-round pick that became Jefferson. But with the strides Jefferson has taken coupled with his much cheaper rookie contract, it appears that the Vikings actually won the trade, despite Diggs' high level of play in Buffalo. There's very little chance Jefferson edges out Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert for Rookie of the Year, simply because of the premium that's placed in the quarterback position. But relative to his peers at wide receiver, no rookie has been more impressive than Jefferson, who looks set to join the ranks of elite Vikings wide receivers like Chris Carter and Randy Moss. And that is the 10 things to know from Week 13. I'm your host, John Peterson. Check back next week for the roundup from Week 14.